season two, Tom did arguably one of his best episodes where he tackled the phenomenon of early 80s satanic panic and the effects that Satanism in movies had on American culture. Today, I'll tackle a much less important topic, which is why are there so many movies where someone makes a stupid deal, pact, or bet with the devil? Where did this idea come from, and why was it so popular in the 80s that everyone from George Burns, Bill Cosby, Mickey Rourke, and Cher were involved? Today we'll walk to a crossroads, meet a vague human approximation of Satan, sign our names to an old scroll in blood, and go off to seek fame and fortune until our time is up and we come... Oh Jesus, this is a lot of cliches, even for me. Oh well, I guess just come burn in hell with us as we make deals with the devil. Slums of Film History, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is normally not discussed in polite company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from murderous gays, to evil Santas, to horny nuns. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. Excited for today's Deals with the Devil oh, I am, episode. Yeah. We have a lot of people asking us questions of what topics are we finally going to cover in our fifth and final season of Slums of Film History. Right. I know mine. I don't know if you know all of yours. You don't have to tell all of yours, but give, give me a little bit of a preview. So one of my upcoming episodes is going to be called Hunting Humans. Hunting Humans, right. right. Or Human Hunting. Mm-hmm. I don't know either one. Okay. So that's the dangerous game. Most dangerous game. A lot of movies are based on that or Uh or derivative from that. So I'm going to talk about the history of that. Good. Well, that'll be interesting and super violent. I don't know a lot of mine. I've got a lot of options that we're doing. One of the ones that I'm definitely not doing, but that we talked about, and you made it sound like you thought it was a great idea. And then I think we both woke up sobered up a little bit. Yeah, sounds right. stupid. That was, I was going to do an episode called The Films of the Golden Girls. I'm kind of glad we sobered up. It was a stupid fucking idea. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I looked at him and I was just like oh well, this will be fun because we've got like stop or my mom will shoot oh, that was and stop or my mom will shoot yeah, and like like betty white's been in some decent movies blanche was in starship troopers blanche was in starship troopers which was a good one and then it was kind of like how are you gonna talk for an hour about that you're not it was a stupid idea right and one of the big questions too is will i finally do my episode on incest or am i just never gonna do it i don't think you're ever gonna do it oh that means i have to do it now although i also <laughs> i lose every bet that i've ever placed with you That's so true. maybe if i just bet that i will do it i'll just lose and it'll just be like normal time right. so i'll yeah, give yeah. you 20 bucks and we can all move on with That's our what lives. I'm thinking. all right you ready to talk about deals with I the am. devil i okay. damn sure am 
So I know I told you that I was doing this episode and that I used your Satanic Panic episode as research, texted you while I was listening to it. And we both decided we would give each other a little homework so that we would at least know a little bit about what the other one was talking about, just because sometimes in these topics, we're talking about something that's so kind of like educational that the other one's just completely lost. Right. And we thought, well, that's not as fun. So we've been giving each other homework, a little bit of it. Can you tell the listeners what homework I gave you? So Slate's homework for me to go back and listen to the Satanic Panic episode. That was it. It was was super simple. All you had to do was listen to one episode. Did you listen to the Satanic Panic episode? Did you? Yeah. Okay. I don't believe you. Of course you don't believe me. So, and we haven't played flashcards in a while. Oh, Jesus. So I thought maybe what I would do is to kind of get you ready, since we are talking a lot about devil movies, is to uh, give you some flashcards on your own episode and see if you remember the movies that you talked about. I thought we'd stop doing this. All right, go ahead. All right. So I've prepared these flashcards. I'm going to read them as I show them to you. And all it is is just movies that you talked about, and let's see if you remember what they are. Okay. This is the movie that you described as Mad Max meets The Exorcist. Oh, that's the Race the Devil. Race with the Devil. You're correct. Very yep. good. This was the movie that you talked about of where Ernest Borgnine turns into a goat. That is The Devil Rides Out. You're close. Try one more time. It's that stupid one with John Travolta in it. That's correct. Today's such an unpleasant day. It's there's just been oh, Devil's this, Rain. The Devil's Rain. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Thanks. This next one is Sylvester Stallone movie with satanic cult undertones. That's a cobra. Cobra. That is correct. So the bonus question is, what was Sylvester Stallone's feminine name in Cobra? Marion Cobretti. Marion. Very, very good. Wow. I only have one more. You've been doing really good with this one. What John Carpenter movie featured Liquid Satan? <laughs> Prince of Darkness. <laughs> Have you seen that? I have not. I just it's looked at... It's not bad. It's not Top Carpenter, but it's not a bad movie. That was one of the ones of where I remember the poster of it hanging in the video store so yeah. much and like that devil's like apparition or whatever that's yeah, yeah, in yeah. it. And I remember that and I don't... have never seen the movie. Alice Cooper plays a homeless man in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, you did very good with Thank Flashcards. You. I did kind of make this a little bit easier for you just because I figured you didn't listen to your own episode. I did listen because... to told... Listen, if Slate wants you to do something and you don't do it, there's hell to pay. Like, he would always remind me that I didn't do my homework, so I did my homework to avoid that. I would only remind you for, like, the next 30 years, so Fair enough. it's not Fair really enough. that bad. True. Tom, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. So this is a really big topic. So I'm going to break it down a little bit just because the devil is almost as old as human history. Itself. Sure. So I had to dig pretty far back to get a hold of where the actual deals part of this topic starts. Okay. We're only talking about films where a deal is struck because obviously you did Satanic Panic. That was kind of like a cultural moment in time. Right. Deals with the devil is like a concept under a much larger thing that is devil and religion and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm really only talking about where people make a deal with the devil and then shit happens basically nice but before we start let's talk about the devil just in general okay from what i can gather the first mention of the devil is in the bible which is also one of the oldest books ever written now i say one of the oldest because the bible is a series of writings that were compiled over a long period of time so there was never like a bible at the time of the bible the traditional christian bible that we know was written over 1500 years so the oldest parts are around 3400 years old and the newest parts are about 2,000 years old. Did you know that you were going to get biblical history today? No, I didn't know I was in Sunday school today. Uh-huh. I probably would have drank more first. I don't know. <laughs> you, would have, you would have pre-gamed Sunday school yeah, a little bit better? Yeah, I would have pre-gamed better. Sunday school. Completely. As someone that's not a big fan of Sunday school, that would probably make it better. Yes. 
Satan is only mentioned a few times in the Bible, but the gist is he was an angel that was ousted from heaven because he wanted to be God and not worship God. And if you've ever been to church, you know that God doesn't like it when people aren't bowing down to him at all times. Right. So Satan's easily offended, according to my church doctrine. Yeah, totally. So Satan started doing his own thing. It's a little unclear how the idea of God being good and Satan being evil came to be so black and white, since Satan isn't really portrayed this way in the Bible. Hmm. Satan is more like a spirit or a force that can cause people to wander away from God or question God, but the idea of good versus evil and even God in heaven and Satan in hell seems to have come much later. It's something that we all kind of made up, but we think is in the Bible. Right. And the whole idea of what the devil looks like, so horns, cloven hooves, hairy legs, a tail, naked, holding a pitchfork, all of that is made up. Krampus? <laughs> Did someone say Krampus? The Bible never talks about what he or she looked like, or even if there was a physical manifestation of, of Satan. In fact, the idea of the devil being scary is a relatively new idea. Right. He was used as a comic relief figure in stage plays in the Middle Ages, and it wasn't until the early modern period, that's around 1500s through the 1700s, that the idea of demonic possession and witchcraft really like started to be a thing. Yeah. As backlash during the Age of Enlightenment, believing in the existence of Satan was harshly criticized. So believing in Satan kind of meant that you love Satan. So most people are like, we don't even believe in him because, you know, that's just the way it was at the time. But Satan as a figure has remained in our culture, although I should point out that this is primarily like an America's thing. Hmm. Satan isn't really a thing everywhere. It's just kind of like in the Americas. In fact, W. Scott Poole, author of Satan in America, The Devil We Know, writes, In the United States over the past 40 to 50 years, a composite image of Satan has emerged that borrows from both popular culture and theological sources, and that most American Christians, quote, do not separate what they know about Satan from the movies from what they know about various theological traditions. Hmm. What a great place to start talking about movies. I agree. So the first time a deal with the devil is made in history is in the writings of Johann George Faust, who may either be a real person, not a real person, or two people, depending on who you ask. Right. Faust was born, maybe, around the late 1400s in Germany and was an astrologer, alchemist, and magician. And by many accounts, he traveled and performed magic tricks and did weird science experiments. And so, of course, people thought that he was not doing the Lord's work. Of course. He frequently was banished from town to town for weird reasons. He apparently died in a weird science experiment gone wrong, if in fact he was a real person at all. But he became sort of a legend around the mid-1500s when a guy named Johann Spies published an anonymous book of writings about Faust, which claimed that he made a deal with the devil in exchange for 24 years of pleasure on Earth. These pleasures involved drinking wine, meeting the Pope, and having sex with Helen of Troy, who the devil conjures up. At the end of 24 years, his body is found with blood and brains and his eyeballs all over the place in his room. This was obviously like a legend or a fable, you know, type of thing. And so many writers over the next 500 years have written stories, operas, and plays on which Faust was uh, the subject. Right. This is going to come up a lot more during today's episode. because It's basically the premise of every movie I'm going to talk about. Yeah. But let's get on with the movies because the first one ever made about a deal with the devil is called Faust from 1926. Okay. Faust was a silent film, of course, and was directed by F.W. Murnau, the guy that made Nosferatu. Yeah. Quick side note on F.W. Murnau, besides those two movies, he also made a romance film called Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. 
Frequency. Have you heard of this movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from 1928, which is considered to be one of the best films of all time. Most people know that the first Outstanding Picture Oscar went to Wings in 1929, so it was the first Oscar ever. Yeah. But there was also a category called Best Unique and Artistic Picture, and Sunrise won that. That's kind of cool. Hmm, yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to Faust. Faust was based on the German writer Goethe. 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 I always call him Goethe. Good old um, Goethe. Goethe. His version of Faust and is uh, really a tremendous watch if you get a chance. Okay. Quick plot. The demon Mephisto has a bet with an archangel that he can corrupt a righteous man's soul. If he succeeds, the devil will win dominion over the earth. I want you to take a look at the first couple minutes of Faust because from a technical cinematography standpoint, it's amazing to look at. Okay. Especially since it's like about 100 years old so okay okay. yeah okay i'm playing it from the very beginning okay oh wow oh the four four horsemen so it's skeletons like on skeleton horses and it's pretty impressive yeah um yeah that's actually pretty kick-ass and a glowing thing yeah like animatronic horses it's pretty good effects what is this what year is this 1926 pretty damn good Good shit. Anyway, that was it. I just started to watch this movie. It was the first one I watched, and that's the opening scene of it. And I was like, holy shit, this is going to be a good movie, and it really is. The first big mainstream talkie with a Faustian structure was The Devil and Daniel Webster from 1941. Okay. Rough plot, the New Hampshire Stone family in the late 1800s is having a hard time paying the bills and keeping the farm up. So Jebez Stone makes a deal with the devil for seven years of prosperity. The money starts to pour in, he becomes popular and wealthy, but spoiler, this doesn't cause happiness. Things start to fall apart, and at the end, there's kind of a supernatural court case to see whether Jabez, Jabez, Jabez? Sure. Dumb name. Should be let out of his contract or not. A lot of the tropes of deals with the devil movies came out of this film. Namely, the devil's contract carved into a tree, the devil making fire or other stuff appear in the palm of his hand, and even the end scene in which the devil is pondering which soul to take next, and then he, like, turns to the camera, he, like, breaks the fourth wall and, Uh you know, points at us, you know, and you're like, oh my god, he chose us, the viewer, you know. After Faust in 1926 and The Devil and Daniel Webster in 1941, the next deals with the devil film was cabin in the sky in 1943 i haven't heard of it yeah cabin in the sky was a musical directed by vincent minnelli with ethel waters but the main thing it's known for is being the only mgm musical that had a leading role for lena horn and also starred louis armstrong oh wow he got a smile that makes a lilac wanna grow there's honey in the honeycomb it's kind of a silly little musical where the deal with the devil is like all just a dream, but it was pulled in some more racist conservative states because black people on screen in leading roles was offensive at the time. Oh. So remember when we were just talking about different territories being able to make their own rules? Yeah, yeah. Basically, like saying. there were some southern territories that were like, no black people in movies that's not that's allowed so fucked up so stupid that was followed by angel on my shoulder from 1946 which was renamed since
since no one would see a film called the original title was Me and Satan. Oh, I would uh-huh. totally watch Me yeah, and Satan. Yeah, sure. You, you probably weren't uh, representative of the 1946 film. Granted, goers. granted. And then there was Bedazzled from 1967. That was Dudley Moore. But it was remade in 2000 with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley as right. the devil. But I'm going to skip ahead a little. Up until now, most of the deals with the devil movies were pretty straightforward and even had, you know, mostly kind of like a level of comedy to them. The devils were usually well-dressed, well-spoken men that appeared and promised fame and fortune in exchange for a soul. But this next movie changed that trope forever. That movie was, of course, Rosemary's Baby in 1967. Oh, yeah. It kind of turned the deal with the devil story on its head a little bit. Yeah. We've talked about it a million times, so I'm just going to focus on the deal with the devil part, which we never really actually see, but is the basis of the story. Right. Are you aware that the Bramford had rather an unpleasant reputation around the turn of the century? It's where the Tratch sisters cooked and ate several young children, including a niece. Let's have a baby, all right? I dreamed someone was raping me. Dr. Hill, there's a plot. I know that sounds crazy. You're probably thinking, my God, this poor girl is really flipped. Rosemary. There's nothing to be afraid of, Rosemary. Honest and truly, there isn't. The long and short is Rosemary Woodhouse thinks her husband Guy has promised his firstborn child to his neighbor's satanic cult, but we find out instead that the devil has impregnated her and she's given birth to the son of Satan. Mm -hmm. The story takes place mostly on kind of like a POV of like, you know, paranoia and hysteria and has a lot of historical and biblical elements that are all pulled together. It really made for something very unique at the time. Yeah, certainly. The idea of giving up your firstborn child obviously dates back to biblical times, making human sacrifices, witches, witchcraft, but especially kind of like the mass hysteria a la satanic panic, you know, right. the mass hysteria of um, something like the Salem witch trials. And Rosemary's Baby had that kind of witchcraft element, something that will come up a couple more times today, but yeah. really could be its own episode. Either way, Rosemary's Baby was the culmination of all of these, you know, mostly biblical fears. Besides being a huge box office hit, getting some Oscar nominations and completely legitimizing producer William Castle, Rosemary's Baby revamped the horror film genre and proved that horror movies could be box office draws. So movies like Don't Look Now, The Wicker Man, and even The Exorcist were all critical and box office success horror movies that probably wouldn't have been made without the success of Rosemary's Baby. Certainly, I can see that. A lot of devil movies came out of this time, so now's a great time to listen to Satanic Panic if you want to stop and listen to that one. But the deals with the devil genre really got a jump start in the 80s. Yeah. I want to talk about four films in particular, the first being the crazy, stupid George Burns comedy, Oh God, You Devil, from 1984. Yeah. You remember this one? Yeah, it's the third entry in this series. Yeah. George Burns was a comedian whose career started in vaudeville, radio, TV, and then when he was in his late 70s film. So he was actually 78 when he got his first Oscar-nominated role in the movie The Sunshine Boys, and then he made a few more movies in the late 70s and 80s. Yeah. One of these was Oh God, where he played God and came to an assistant grocery store manager to get him to spread the word of God, which was him. Right. It was a comedy, of course, and it did pretty well at the box office. So, of course, the sequels came. Do you remember what the second one was called? Oh God, book two. And then the third, where he played two roles, God and also the devil. Well, let me back up with Oh God, book two, because wasn't John Denver starring in that with him? That's correct, yes. Jeez. 
The early 80s were really huge for kind of like magical comedies. Mm. So Gremlins, Splash, Ghostbusters, right. Weird Science, Back to the Future, Cocoon, Short Circuit. So I guess George Burns playing God and the Devil made about as much sense as really anything, anything. else at yeah. the time. Yeah. Oh God was pretty critically acclaimed. Oh God, you devil was, was not. not. No, no, no. no. Oh, God. I still watch over people. You devil. I love to scare the hell out of people. <laughs> that old black magic has me in its spell. That old black magic that I weave so well. I'd sell my soul to the devil to make it in this business. Interesting. When a rock and roll singer sold his soul to become a star. This is fun! Guess who answered his prayers? Who are you? Oh my God. Guess again. Oh, God. <laughs> you devil. I can make things happen. People think because I'm the devil, I'm insensitive. What happens when my contract is up? It's the little things I enjoy. You have to let me out of this deal. No. I want the kid back. You can have him back if you win. Oh, God. <laughs> you devil. That good, huh? Not bad. George Burns and George Burns in Oh, God. You devil. It'll be fabulous. Rough Plot, a struggling musician, signs a deal with the devil for fame and success on a trial basis. He becomes instantly successful and makes a fortune and has wine and women and money, but he misses his girl back at home and decides he wants to go back. He looks for God, and then God shows up, and he and the devil have a poker game to decide who gets the man's soul. So I watched Oh God, You Devil, and it's honestly not as bad as, like, it sounds. It's so fucking stupid that you kind of can't hate it. Sure. The main issue is that it's rated PG, which means all of the good versus evil shenanigans are like super lame. Right. So a guy's pants fall down, causing a bride and groom to fall in the pool. Oh, oh no. Ruin the wedding with no pants. The devil tells the guy to reach him at the telephone number 666. <laughs> like, and then God makes all these like super like bad jokes too. He lives in Las Vegas and he causes a rain and he like, you know, makes a rainbow to like prove that he's real. And he's like, pretty nice, huh? I made it myself. Oh, God. You devil. And then he was like, I put the fear of me in you. It's just like really, really bad. I guess they forgot that like the only way that an old person can get laughs is like by doing R-rated things. Like that's, everyone knows that. Right. The second movie, speaking of comedies, is The Devil and Max Devlin from 1981. This is a Bill Cosby vehicle. And (laughs) considering the recent allegations, makes sense that he plays the devil because, well, you know. He is. (laughs) Yeah. Bill Cosby is the devil. Want a light? Elliot Gould is a shady agent. But I am very good luck, and I guarantee you will not fail. And the record business is going to the devil. They're swapping soul for rock and roll. Never been to the Grammys. The Devil and Max Devlin. That's just the way we like them. Rated PG. The Devil and Max Devlin now play. This is actually a super controversial movie at the time because it was a Disney movie and it had a Satan character along with the word damn 
which was a very Ooh, big bad eek. word. Yeah. yeah. And almost son of a bitch. Someone says son of a, and then they get cut off right. before they say the horrid B word. Movies like this were one of the reasons Disney spun off Touchstone Pictures and later bought Miramax along with Harvey Weinstein, who right, never played him. Satan, but probably should have. Right. Anyway, The Devil and Max Devlin is about Elliot Gold, who is a slumlord in LA, and he dies suddenly and goes to hell. Bill Cosby is there, of course, and Satan. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> As Satan. That's appropriate. Right. And they make a deal. Elliot Gold can go back to Earth, but he has to convert three people's souls to Cosby Satan by May 15th. But Elliot Gold has like a change of heart and he starts acting good and falls in love and blah, 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 and breaks the contract and everyone lives happily ever after. It's no ghost dad, but you know, <laughs> I mean, whatever. Or yeah. Leonard Part Six can't it, beat that. Yeah. I'm obviously not a religious person as we no? constantly Jesus talk about it, especially in blasphemy. But right. um, if someone told me I went to hell and Bill Cosby was there, I'd be like, that sounds bad. That right. might be life-changing. How did nobody use that as a meme? Like, that's a perfect meme to post anywhere. Yeah. Like, of him being the devil somewhere. That's perfect. I almost skipped past it. I kind of, you know, like, looked at it, and I was like, I don't really recognize the title. So I was just, you know, if you throw a lot of movies out and don't talk about it. And, and then I like, went back and was like, is Bill Cosby in this? And so it made it back into this episode right at the end, just because... Right. Oh, relevant. Yeah. Okay. Enough of comedies. The next movie I want to talk about is Legend from 1985. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a movie that kind of fit in with like Never Ending Story and like Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, I never saw it. Did you see it? Is yeah, it? yeah. I saw it. I mean, I didn't see it right when it came out. Like, I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it several years later, but like maybe three or four years later when it came on cable, you know? Yeah. And it's got Tim Curry mm-hmm. hamming it up as Satan. That's right. Or Darkness. Isn't that what they called him? Darkness. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it for the podcast and kind of had a hard time understanding what was going on you know i'm not a fantasy movie it's, person it's a weird movie yeah. anyway so when you're like open in the magical land of like didupia i'm just kind of like you've already lost me like right. i don't know yeah. what is didupia i don't yeah. know what that is yeah. i don't know either so here's the plot from wiki because i didn't understand it darkness that's tim curry seeks to create eternal night by destroying the last of the unicorns Um, Tom Cruise and his friends do everything possible to save the world and Princess Lily from the hands of darkness enter a world of unicorns, magic swamps, dwarfs, and rainbows. Not really sure what happens after that, but they end up in the devil's lair or whatever it's called and Tim Curry in some pretty great makeup. I know, he looks great. That's a a really good portrayal of the devil. Like, if you want to look like the traditional devil, like, they nailed that. Dress up Tim Curry and you'll you'll have it. Yeah. No, he he was great in it, too. I mean, he was as much as you could be great. In I would that. never would have recognized him if I didn't know that it was yeah. Tim Curry. So he does something with unicorns. I forget. But then he falls in love with Tom Cruise's girlfriend and tries to make a deal with her. He wants to marry her. And in return, he will give her a pretty dress and jewelry because she's a woman. So why would she care about anything other than a pretty dress and jewelry? But then when that doesn't work, he says he'll give her power, which does work. But she ends up turning on him since Tom Cruise shows up. Although to be honest, I'm not really sure at this point who's crazier the devil or just tom cruise just as a human right i probably would have stuck with the devil that's just me but the third early 80s movies i want to talk about is crossroads from 1986 oh crossroads not the britney spears crossroads no but that's kind of hellish on its own yeah this is one of the first deals with the devil's movie that came up when i started my research and honestly i'd never even heard of it really yeah i mentioned it to a co-worker he started telling me about the legend of robert johnson do you know all this yeah, I know tell, all this. Tell me a little bit about it. So, Robert Johnson is a blue 
blues player. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, the the legend behind him was that he at a crossroads mm-hmm. met up with the devil and sold his soul for success. Right, and he was successful. And didn't he die under weird circumstances too? So Robert Johnson was born in 1911 in a yeah. poor Mississippi town. He wanted to be a musician, but apparently he was pretty bad, especially as a guitarist. By the time he was a teenager in the early 30s, he decided he wanted to play the blues so bad that he apparently met at a crossroads, made a deal with the devil so that he could play. And then all of a sudden, he was like the best blues guitarist like of all time yeah. at that point. He only recorded a few songs, but those recordings are considered to be some of the best guitar playing that's ever been recorded. Even Eric Clapton called Robert Johnson the most important blues singer that ever lived. He's number three on one of the Rolling Stones' lists of best guitarists of all time. Wow. Obviously, there's no proof of this deal, but to make the rumor even more interesting, Robert Johnson died at the age of 27 under mysterious circumstances, and no one even really knows where he's buried. He wasn't particularly famous or successful. He was supposed to play Carnegie Hall, but he died before that happened. And the only proof that he really lived and played were those recordings. And that's where Crossroads comes in. Right. Crossroads is a weird little movie. At first, I was... Did you watch it? Oh, yeah, of course. I was convinced that Ralph Macchio was playing the character of Robert Johnson. (laughs) And so I was already outraged by like this cultural appropriation and like they had to have Ralph Macchio play a black man in order to sell the movie. Of course, I was completely wrong about this. I was ridiculously angered by something that I made up in my own head. Right. Crossroads is a kind of a weird movie. Yeah. Because it's a combination of a young person meets an old person movie. It's a road trip movie. It's a romance. It's also a battle of the bands movie. Definitely one of those. Uh And of course, it stars Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio. So rough plot. Ralph, do you want to tell it? No, go for it. Okay. Ralph Macchio is a music student and he worships, he's not Robert Johnson. He's a music student that worships the 29 recorded songs of Robert Johnson, but is looking for the 30th. There's a rumor that he had recorded 30 songs, but one of them is lost. He finds an old photo of a guy with Robert Johnson and he finds that guy. The guy is like super fucking old. And he busts him out of like a prison hospital and takes him to Alabama in hopes that he will teach him the 30th song. Yeah. They pick up a hooker and play music like along the way until they reach a crossroads where it's revealed that the old guy has sold his soul to the devil way back when. Ralph makes a deal that if he can outplay this evil guitar solo guy, do you remember who plays him? Steve Vai. That's right. Then they both get to keep their own souls. He wins and they continue down the road to play together from town to town. Kind of the way that Robert Johnson did back in the day. Right. It's kind of not a bad movie. It's not a bad movie. Yeah. Once I got over the cultural appreciation. Yeah, once you were done being mad at Ralph Macho. There's a place where deals are made and legends are born. And there was a kid they called Lightning Boy. Was searching for the lost song. You could be the first man to record it. For a piece of fame and fortune. Like Clapton did with Crossroads, the Rolling Stones did it with Love in Vain. And he was looking to get him there. Welcome to Bluesville, son. This is the real thing. This ain't no book. Lightning Boy and Blind Eye. What the hell are you guys supposed to be, huh? Both blues I'm the blues man. He's from Long Island. It's not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It's not really a memorable one. It's, it's sort not, of no. middle of the road. 80s movie but yeah. but yeah and it's got some good guitar playing in it so that's yeah it does bad. that yeah. was kind of an enjoyable part I, yeah. the battle of the bands part was a little 
odd. Yeah. Because it's also kind of, like, in a karate way, the way that the karate kid ended, too. Yeah. And so it's kind of just, like, it's a bit odd, but, like, in a way that's kind of satisfying. Right. It was, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it. This movie and story are super interesting because this is pretty much the real life, but also made-up American version of the Foss story that's supposedly, but probably not real life. Right, right. It's almost like years and years of German people rewriting the Foss story wasn't American enough for us, so we applied that same legend onto Robert Johnson so we could understand why a man... Black, excuse me, could possibly have had so much unexplained talent. Right. I feel like there's a racial undertone there. <laughs> Speaking of talent, let's talk about Angel Heart. Oh, yes. I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. The end of the 80s also saw some deals with the devil's favorites, namely Angel Heart from 1987, good which one. started and ended the film career of Lisa Bonet. It's a shame. Have you seen Angel Heart recently? So, yes, recently being that I watched it around the time I did Satanic Panic. Mm-hmm. So, in the last year and a half ago, two years ago. Mm-hmm. It's really something. It's really something. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, still a solid movie. It's got its trappings of its time and uh-huh. it's hit or miss and some stuff. I really think it conveyed its gothic New Orleans setting very well. I agree. And overall, it's an enjoyable movie. Some of the things you see coming a mile away, but I I like it still. I think it's fine. I was actually surprised because, and I mentioned this in your episode, is that I had only seen it one time, you know, back in, back probably around 1990 or so. So I just watched it again. And I agree with you. It was good. It was also relatively well received by the critics. It has kind of a, you know, an 80-ish percent, 87 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, too. So I think a lot of people kind of came back to it. Yeah. And were kind of like, this was actually a good movie. It just was such a kind of weird thing at the time. Well, it was clouded by the controversy. With a lot of controversy. A good back to Bill Cosby and Lisa Bonet. You know, she was on the Cosby show. That was a, considered a wholesome show, and it was. And he gave her so much shit about being in this movie and essentially fired her from the show, although she did return in cameos afterward. It was really fucked up. And it overshadowed the movie, unfortunately. And so people didn't really look at the movie as on its own right. until later. They like wanted to about. see America's sweetheart rolling around in blood. You and, know, kind and, of. Yeah, and fucking they did. M- uh-huh. Mickey Rourke, yeah. yeah. When I actually read the wiki about it, they said that Bill Cosby was more, he's a monster, (laughs) but that he was more angry about the portrayal of her character than he was at her for being in it. Now, who knows? Because he's such a dickwad. Right. But that he was more like, oh, a black woman practicing voodoo and like having sex with a white guy. And, you know, he was more, he was mad racially more. I think that's retconning. I think he's just playing damage control that because everyone probably thinks he thought he was America's dad. And so he thought that he had the right to tell everyone how to live their lives. Right. And still does. And then, and he's a rapist. So. (laughs) So fuck that guy. And when I show up in hell, he's going to be there and I'm going to have to answer to him. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) So Angel Heart is about, bear with me, a detective in the 50s named Harry Angel that is hot. It's so weird when people's names are Harry. Yeah. It's like, hey, Harry Angel. So that movie, The Snowman, that just came out. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a Swedish book mystery. Sure. But the guy's name, unfortunately, is Harry Hole. Oh. Yeah, it's... That's disgusting. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. All right. Well, Harry Angel is hired to find the whereabouts of a popular singer named Johnny Favorite, which is an amazing name, by the way. I love the name Johnny, Johnny Favorite. Favorite. It's much better than Harry Hole. <laughs> Harry goes all over the place trying to get answers, but everywhere he goes and everyone he asks ends up dead not much later. He goes to New Orleans and meets Lisa Bonet, who is Johnny's daughter, and watches while she does a weird satanic dance where she slits a chicken's neck and rubs blood all over yep. her. Blood and chicken. Uh-huh. He then sleeps with her, and blood starts raining down all over 
over them while they're having sex in a scene that had to be cut pretty severely to get an R rating. Yeah. The movie gets gorier as we find out that Johnny made a deal with the devil for fame and fortune as a singer kind of the Robert Johnson plot, yeah. but tried to renege on it later by taking the form of someone else by eating a still-beating heart. Do you remember this part? I forgot it's about this super part. Super weird. Some more weird shit happens, and then you find out that the guy that hired Harry Angel is actually the devil. Get it? Angel devil? Right. And that's a little literal for my taste, but... Well, that character is played by... Robert De Niro. Right, which, yeah. spoiler, everybody, but when you hear who, what his name is, mm-hmm. it's, what is his name? Are you, are you getting to that? No, go ahead. It's Louis Cipher. Louis Cipher. That's that's Lucifer. Sucks. Like, I mean, I, I can just say right now that sucks. Yeah, like that's very stupid. Yeah, that's the Bill Cosby of devil names. <laughs> <laughs> and then you find out the the big spoiler is that Harry is actually Johnny Favorite. Right. So he's killed all of these people. He kills Lisa Bonet at the end, and his daughter that he also slept with. Oh yeah. The devil takes him down to hell, and the last scene is Johnny descending floors in an elevator, which I actually thought that was pretty cool. I like that scene. Yeah. That's a-, a good ending. Yeah. Angel Heart is one of those rare deals with the devil movie that actually ends with the devil winning, or at least getting you know his fair due from the contract. Yeah, yeah. Every other deal with the devil movie is like, somebody gets out of it by having a heart of gold, and then the devil's yeah. like, Burr. Told you once, you son of a bitch. I'm yeah. the best it's ever been. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you mm-hmm. go. Thank you. You're welcome. On the other end of the spectrum, The Witches of Eastwick also came out in 1987. <laughs> I forgot about yeah, that one. I know. Witches of Eastwick was everything that Angel Heart wasn't. While Angel Heart focused on voodoo and dark sex and horror and the devil, The Witches of Eastwick focused on witchcraft and casual sex and comedy and the devil. Right. And with a huge Hollywood cast, Jack Nicholson as the devil, Cher, Susan Sarandon, and Michelle Pfeiffer as witches, mm-hmm. it was a huge hit. And it was in some inspired casting. Yeah. Uh, to say the devil prevails in angel heart the witches prevail in eastwick of course yeah in the quiet town of eastwick where nothing ever changes three beautiful women are about to discover powers they never dreamed they had who should we be looking for he should be really handsome nice eyes The man of their dreams is here. Jane, at last we meet. To stay for a spell. Who are you? Just your average horny little devil. With the witches of Eastwick. I didn't write anything else about the witches of Eastwick, but I did watch it. I had never seen it before. That's an odd movie. Yeah, and I've seen it. I saw it once around the time it came out, Mm -hmm. and I don't remember anything from it. I think I watched it on video. I do remember it. It was weird. I think it was trying to be a dark comedy, Mm -hmm. and it didn't quite work. Yeah. It's, a lot of people love that movie, though. And there's so many elements of it. I mean, like, Cher as an actress is a good actress, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of funny. Also, it was kind of the beginning of Michelle Pfeiffer's, like, lip injections. Oh. Her lips looks like they're made of rocks in the movie, which I thought was <laughs> kind of interesting. I was like, oh, this is this is where your lips start to start to kind of get weird a little bit. But it was, it was pleasant. It kind of goes a little bit haywire by the end of it. And there's, right. like, everyone calmed down a little bit, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. But 
but uh, but it was a pleasurable experience. It's no Angel Heart, though. I would have to say I'm going to give the edge to Angel Heart. I think Angel Heart is a better movie it's than The movie. of Eastwick. Yeah. So that brings us to the 90s. Okay. One of my earliest going to the movies by myself memories was going to see Needful Things in 1991 after reading the book. Okay. Needful Things is, of course, the Stephen King story about a man who rolls into a small New England town and opens a store where everyone that goes in finds something that they need to have. Right. The catch is the store takes money, but also small pranks. In order to have the possession you want the most, you have to do something bad to someone else. Right. A kid throws a shit ton of oranges through someone's windows and breaks all their stuff. Someone throws turkey shit all over someone's laundry. Someone kills someone's dog, etc. Of course, these tiny pranks all lead to people blaming the wrong people. People getting vengeance, people die, and the town runs amok. And of course, the guy that runs the store, Max von Sydow, I've never been able to say that. Sydow? Sydow? I don't know. Turns out to be the devil who, by making these little deals, is turning people over to the dark side. It's kind of like a capitalism over humanity story. So this is a little bit different. Did you, have you seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie. I read the book back in the day because I read every Stephen King thing back in the day. I watched it again right as I started this episode. It's a TV movie, right? No, it was actual, came out in the theater. Yeah. It's really bad maybe that's why i didn't see it it's funny because as a kid as an 11 year old kid seeing that i mean i loved the book i thought the book was great yeah i like seeing a movie too. and when it was over i was like this was bad this yeah, was a garbage. bad movie yeah because yeah, as a kid you kind of don't know the difference between good and bad yeah i knew that i knew that this was not a good film yeah Obviously, this is one of Stephen King's Everything Goes to Hell stories. Roger Ebert's review is, it only has one note, which it plays over and over, sort of a satanic water torture. It's (laughs) not funny, it's not scary, and it's all sorts of depressing. There's just one thing that I notice. I'm not a movie critic, like, by any means. I one time tried to start a blog of where I, like, reviewed movies, and I'm just not good at it. Because a lot of times you just can't... I'm not a writer, so I can't put into words like what I'm feeling. Like flourishes or yeah, whatever. Yeah, and I like yeah. don't, you know, I mean, there's stuff that I just don't notice that a movie critic would notice. But right. I remember as a kid, but I also, like, when I watched it, it was just like the musical score of the movie. Yeah. All these giant, like, orchestral, like, Satanism-like pieces. And this is kind of like a quiet little town of where these right. little pranks, like, add up to a thing. And then it's got this, like, duh, 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 swelling duh, duh, duh. music yeah, and, and stuff. and you're just like, this music, like, I mean, it makes sense. This is a deals with the devil movie, but, like, it sounds like it's from another movie, basically. Right. And that, like, somebody was like, oops, we forgot to score the film. Like, use the Exorcist music and just drop it in here or whatever. And it just, right. it doesn't go. And it really kind of ruins what maybe could have been a good movie at some time. The tone of it is a disaster. Yeah, Interesting. Really weird. The rest of the 90s saw some deals with the devil classics like Stay Tuned starring John Ritter. <laughs> Remember this one? Yeah. And the only thing I can note from that, and because it's a garbage movie, yeah. but the only part of it that was inspired is when, because he's got it like a satanic a, TV. That's right. And he ends up back on the set of Three's Company, which was the show he used to be on. Right. And he like freaks out. Mm-hmm. It right. was, it was, that was great. That's the only thing I can say about the movie that's worth a shit. Yeah. So this sounds like it should be really good. So right. here's the plot. It's uh, John Ritter is a plumbing salesman who is kind of like a couch potato. Yeah. And he gets sold a satellite dish by the devil who wants more souls and decided that couch potatoes are like the easiest target. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. John Ritter has to run through all the cable channels. So it's like sitcoms, movies, MTV. Um, he actually also runs through uh, Salt Peppa video <laughs> and they like wrote a song for the thing it's called of Start Me Up I, I had the cassette single don't be jealous I bet you did I 
Single because that was a thing. No, it wasn't a maxi single. It was no. just like a cassette with a little like paper sleeve, you know, that would oh, yeah. start me up. Anyway, uh, in 24 hours, got to go through all the channels. Most people usually die, but he obviously gets through it. It's not really a deal with the devil type no. of movie. There is kind of a thing that he's got to do. It's like a challenge. Um, but when I was talking with one of our listeners, Anthony, he was talking about this movie, so I had to shout Anthony out and also this movie. So there you <laughs> go, Anthony. Tuned. There was also The Devil's Advocate from 1997 yeah. starring Keanu Reeves, Charlize Theron, and do you remember who played the devil? Freaking Al Pacino. Yeah. Most people would chewing say... Chewing up scenery like a freaking shredder. Most people would probably say that The Devil's Advocate is not a good movie, but that Al Pacino might have been one of the best devils of, of no, all time. I mean, he was great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and he knew it. Yeah, he, he was hammy as hell. Yeah, this one is a little different because the deal part was a little bit more of a Rosemary's Baby type of thing mm-hmm. than the past few examples. Super rough plot because I'm going to start wrapping up. But Keanu Reeves is a lawyer, which is hilarious in itself. Right. That's promised law, wealth, and success. So a little different than rock star acting success, as in like some of our previous examples. He takes the bait, and then horrible Satan things happen because his boss is Satan. There's also kind of an incest offspring. Yeah. Similar in theme to kind of a Rosemary's Baby which I won't spoil her because I don't honestly don't remember what happened I don't know some in there was it was an Charlie Saren's in this right that's correct I think she was his sister and he fucked her I don't know something like that I don't remember boy yeah okay cool yeah the whole Damn. premise of the 1997 bomb spawn was based on a black ops operative who was murdered and upon arriving in hell is offered a deal. If he becomes leader of an army in Armageddon, he'll be able to return to Earth to see his fiance. Did you ever see Spawn? We talked about it in Revenge from the Grave. Yeah. So, I, n- I never saw it. It's not good. Yeah. The comic that it's based on is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very popular when it came out because it was one of the few black superheroes at the time. Yeah. And it's actually a good property. Michael J. White is in it, and he's doing the best he can with the material, but I don't think the movie's very good. It just good. wasn't a very good movie, I don't think. No. I think that the property was good, but they didn't turn it into a good no, movie. No, they didn't. It, it bombed. It was a, it, it was yeah. a box office bomb. There's a type of deal with the devil subplot in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? from yeah, yeah. 2000. I was waiting for you to get to this. Uh, I, that's all I said about it. So do you want to talk about it? Well, just that uh, one of the characters uh, whose name is Tommy, he's a blues guitarist, joins George black. Clooney. <laughs> yeah, he's black. And he joins George Clooney and um, his crew. And um, he's the Soggy Bottom Boys. The Soggy Bottom Boys. So he plays very with them. Very funny name. And it's very funny. And says that he met the devil at the crossroads and sold his soul. And so he's, he's the Robert Johnson character. His mm-hmm. name's Tommy. And he is on their Homer-like adventure with them, you know, mm-hmm. the Odyssey with them in that movie. So I like that movie a lot. Tom Waits plays a deal-making devil in the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus from 2009. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to skip ahead to the last movie I'm going to talk about today. Okay. That movie is The Witch from 2015. Okay. You never saw The Witch, did you? I know. No, I didn't. And I've been wanting to see it. The Witch was one of those low-budget movies which got wide acclaim from playing film festivals and then opened wide release a year or two later. Yeah. In fact, it was made on a $4 million budget and it grossed over $40 million at the box office. Good for that. So it was a pretty good return. Yeah. 
The Witch is a little different than most of the movies we talk about today, which kind of hinge on a meeting with the devil. A bet is made and either the devil wins or the mortal wins. Right. The Witch is structured a little bit more like a Rosemary's Baby type of movie, uh-huh. where there's evil lurking kind of all over the place, but we never really know what's happening until the end. So rough plot, a 1600s Puritan family in the Northeast are banished from their community because of religious differences. They relocate to a field to start anew, but things immediately start going wrong. One of the kids dies and coughs up a small apple. The newborn baby disappears. The mother thinks she's breastfeeding a child and it turns out to be a crow and it like pecks her mm-hmm. boob. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Everything seems to be pointing towards a sheep named Black Philip, who, spoiler, turns out to be the devil at the end and has the girl, the only one that lives in the family, sign her soul away to join a witch coven, which we see at the end, but I won't spoiler that part. That's yeah. kind of like the only kind of like real magical thing that happens. Oh, nice. It's kind of cool. So that's where I'm leaving this episode. I don't think I need to point out that this whole idea of deals with the devil did not come from the Bible, as I had previously thought uh, writing this episode. It also did not come from Mark Twain, who for some reason I thought wrote The Devil and Daniel Webster. But that was actually written by Stephen Vincent Benet, and that was ripped off from The Devil and Tom Walker by Washington Irving. And that was basically the story of Faust. Which makes sense, because everything relating to deals with the devil have that simple Faustian premise. Yeah. You don't have what you want, so whether that's a slumlord, a struggling actor, a musician, or Keanu Reeves, um, <laughs> the devil in some form, usually a handsome, well-spoken man, approaches you, Bill Cosby, George Burns, Jack Nicholson, and offers you all the great stuff you want, but at a price. You get all that great stuff, money, fame, women, adoration, and then the devil comes to take your soul down to hell where you burn for eternity. This idea of good versus evil, God and the devil fighting for souls, was nothing more than a legend or a fable back around the 1500s in which the devil and the devil that we know was also conceived, which is where Faust came from. So basically, just to sum everything up, the screenplay for Angel Heart was written in the 1500s. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. That is my episode on great. deals with the devil. Yeah. Nice. What do you think? It was great. I, I learned a lot, actually. I mean, I knew about Faust, but mm-hmm. at a basic level. Yeah. But how it sort of wove in everywhere and just became the basis for like all these stories. Yeah. You know, for they all go oh back God, to that. You Devil starring George right. Burns. Yeah. Max and Max Devlin or whatever. You yeah. Know, that's mm-hmm. the devil and Max. What the fuck? Bill Cosby and can owe all of that to Faust. Uh-huh. Thanks, Faust. Yeah. Faust. Faust. Hmm. Faust. 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 Yeah. I was going to say Faust a lot. Uh So yeah, great episode. That was awesome. Good. Thank you. It's kind of a stupid topic just because like I was kind of looking through it and I was like, oh, this is going to be like this big grandiose thing, like satanic panic. And then I kind of realized like pretty quickly that like I just kind of wanted to talk about George Burns. (laughs) I mean, that's that's perfectly okay. Yeah. And Angel Heart too, of course. But yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the thing that I didn't realize when I was, you know, researching it is just that all of this stuff is just made up. I was pretty sure there was a story in the Bible of uh, that basically was the devil making a deal with someone. And then, like, I was pretty sure that the devil's advocate was, like, a biblical story, you know? <laughs> Starring Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. So I was uh, very wrong about that. Anyway, so I learned some stuff uh, from too. this episode, too. I hope not, our audience Not bad for a dumb, stuff. stupid topic, so. That was a good topic. Yep. So, all right. All right. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Don't burn in hell. Yep. You'll, Bill Cosby's there. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Sunday Slum Day, our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies. I'm on a Are you happy with it? One more time. Of course. Am I ever happy with anything? No. Mm-hmm.